Welcome back to Black Boundaries Podcast. I'm Nick. And I'm Terrell. And today we're talking about whitewashing. Yep, yep. Now, I want to acknowledge something that has nothing to do with today's topic. Okay. This is just a pure coincidence that we have this topic today. Because we recorded it previously, but we wanted to revamp it, clean it up a little bit. Make it better. Yeah. Right, right. But our buddy's birthday is today. Shout out to Evan. Shout out to Evan. Evan Levish. Yes. The homie. The homie from Georgia Southern University. We spent a lot of time with this guy going through college, different experiences, being young men. Yep. Just being young men. And we being were so bros. young. Now we're old. Oh, my gosh. Don't say it. <laughs> no, it's 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 kind of crazy to think about that, how we've like known each other for so long. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it, right? It it don't. Like, it doesn't, doesn't. It's just how fast time is going by. Yeah. It's, that's cr- true. it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> it was just 2015. Right? <laughs> like, and I was like, 2021? Like, what? Dang, that's crazy. I always think about that like a kid was born and they're just walking around and doing stuff. Like, mm-hmm. they're like, what, five? Like, oh, no. Yeah. Five this year, right? Oh, oh, my goodness. That's scary. Yeah, five, six. Oh, my gosh. Man. Like, that's so weird. Bro, we're going to be. They'll say it. We're going to be really young. <laughs> Another yeah. couple of years. <laughs> nah, I'm just playing. We're still young. We're still young. Young yeah. at heart. You know, right. We'll always be young at heart. Still joking around, laughing. True. Not yeah. having too many crazy responsibilities yeah, for now. Exactly. <laughs> Not for now. <laughs> yeah, we can delay those things. But yes, happy birthday to Evan. I just wanted to acknowledge that the topic has nothing to do with his birthday. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> that could be really strange. But today we are talking about whitewashing is something that's very unfortunate, but I think that this will provide clarity for people. It's not an attack. It's not us being angry. It's just explaining what it is and talking about how it affects society. Right. Simple as that. So could you read the definitions, please? All right. So there's like, you know, multiple definitions of whitewashing, but these are the two that, you know, I came up with that. I guess they're most relevant to what we're talking okay, about. Okay, good. So the first definition is like someone who is looked at as leaving behind or neglecting their culture and assimilating into a white Western culture. Okay. Right. And then the second one involves the entertainment industry, which is like a term that now has come to refer to the entertainment industry's attempt to make ethnic characters more appealing to the white money spending masses by making the exotic characters less less ethnic and more white. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like that definition. Yeah, me too. You know, it's crazy because <laughs> you think about Hollywood and you think about people who are competing for their own identity. It's like, I am Asian, mm-hmm. but I have to compete for this role because you have this other prestigious white star white person, yeah. who's going to play this character. It's crazy. So, it's really odd, but I think we are so used to it as Americans mm-hmm. because we've done that so much, adopted oh, yeah, so much. Oh, since the beginning Western of like culture. when movies were getting made, you know, it's right. been it's been whitewashed. Right. There's a good example of that in multiple films. Um, I think we talked about this previously, but Scarlett Johansson was in the movie uh, Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell, yeah. And that was a huge controversy because we all know from the anime and from the manga that's Asian. It's Asian Asian culture, Japanese Japanese culture. (laughs) So, And we're not blaming Scarlett Johansson directly, but I think that in terms of creating that film and knowing what the origin of it is, it will be nice to give credit to people who are of that ethnicity. Right. It does a disservice when you take something and you put somebody else in that role. Exactly. So I think 
if people see it as like not a big deal, it really is because that influence is like the infrastructure of how kids are going to see the movie. It's how new people are introduced to it. So they have no knowledge of where it actually came from. Yeah. It just looks like a movie that Scarlett Johansson was in. Exactly. But, you know, it's funny with that is like a lot. I see a lot of white people kind of like brush it off when something like that happens. Like, you right. know, a white person playing an Asian character or whatever. But, you know, whenever a black person is made into like this white superhero right. that's when it's, it's a big a deal issue. like when michael b jordan played the human torch in um fantastic four oh yeah that was a big deal to that white was. people and when um donald glover did like the spider-man thing there was you remember you know that what was crazy younger? about that was that? It's just because there was talk about it and people are already mad before it even happened exactly <laughs> but it's like he's playing the actual black Spider-Man. Right. Miles. Miles Morales. Miles yeah. Morales. Yeah. That, that's who he was The only reason why, and Terrell knows I don't know superheroes, the only reason why I know him is because he's black. That's why I know the name. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm surprised you actually knew that. <laughs> yeah. My friend was like, hey, you know, there's a black Spider-Man. And I was like, oh, really? And like, I got interested. And not to say that's the only reason why I would be interested in superheroes, but I grew up watching Static Shock. Right. And I enjoyed that. And exactly. I was like, I really don't care for superheroes, but maybe it's like that in a way. So it just kind of was an initial interest. Now, like, yeah, it was really cool seeing Static Shock growing up because it's like, yo, that's like that's like us. Right. Like, you yeah. Know, that's like, can be him. like exactly. That's kind of like the culture that we're around and stuff like that. And they, and they just put it in like such, I guess, you know, a positive light or whatever. Exactly. And we're like, yeah, we could be a superhero, too. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's so true. And it's crazy because this is so random, but he definitely had freeform dreads. The way that they oh, stuck up. Oh, yeah. He, even yeah. back then, I was like, those look like freeform dreads. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that was really cool to see. It's so good to see black people in a positive light because I feel like so many things that are adopted from black culture are often the negatives. Mm -hmm. There's so many positive things that have happened and we'll get more into that. But it's unfortunate that we have to scramble to find our placement. You know what I mean? To yeah. have something to be able to appreciate it and be glad that we finally have someone who represents us because so often we don't have that. Exactly. So I think for like, you know, many years we've been like forced to assimilate into white culture. Right. Right. Know? It wasn't something that we wanted to do is something that we had to do because it was a form of survival exactly you know like women having to like uh black women having to like straighten their hair because mm -hmm. like you know they didn't like afros or whatever yeah they, they can't wear dreads and stuff like that um you know and i have my own personal story about the dreads thing so right i think i was like in high school or whatever like 12th grade senior year or whatever and you know i, I wanted to have a job right so i applied to the uh marriott hotel you know fancy hotel or whatever I go there, and then when I get there, the interviewer is like, oh, um, it's against, like, our company policy to, like, hire people with dreads. Man. Right? Yeah. That's that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. A policy. Yeah. That's a, a, wow. a racist policy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, what is that? What is somebody having dreads have to do with them doing their job? Right. You know? Right. I can still do a great job, but. I thought about it. Then I was like, oh, all right. So I just left. Then I thought about it again. Then I was like, uh, I guess if I get a job, I'll cut my dress or whatever. So I go back there, do the interview. I think I did pretty damn good. Right. I guess I didn't. I don't know. Because I didn't get the job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. But, you know, I found out about that like days later or whatever. But, you know, when I'm like leaving after the interview, I'm going downstairs or whatever. Then I see like this white kid. Mm -hmm. He has like hair down to his face, all up in his face. His shaggy hair. His shaggy free. hair. And yeah. I'm like, Yeah. Y'all gonna hire him? Right. With hair like that, but not somebody <laughs> with dress. Like, you know, 
I don't know. It, it was just very mind blowing to me. Yes. You know, yeah. <laughs> like it, realizing the racism. Yeah. I mean, it's right in your face. And like you were saying, it's a racist policy because mm-hmm. of what they associate with dreads. Right. And like I said, so many people take the negatives. It's like, oh, dreads are for like stoners, people who get high, the stereotypes of Jamaican culture. Like those are all seen as negatives. But then you look today with a lot of things with uh, the decriminalizing of marijuana. Right. Now it's more acceptable. It's like, well, mm. we don't really see it as that bad anymore. Dreadlocks are more of this. Now they try to change it. Right. But we got kept out from the start. And that's why it's so frustrating mm-hmm. is because dreads are a natural hair form. Yeah. There are people who can, you know, do certain styles Manipulate and things like hair. that to it. Yeah. But initially, that's just how our hair grew. Mm-hmm. You know, if you weren't, it's just tangled hair, basically. Exactly. But... You know, it's, it's just unfortunate that there's so many moments that we experience things like that. And I remember being young, going to my mom and telling her that I wanted dreads. Oh, yeah. You know, I had braids as a kid. Um, and I told her, I was like, you know what? I'm tired of doing my hair constantly. Mm-hmm. And I really just like the look of dreads. So I want them. And, you know, my mom, she was born in 1959. Just to give you guys a history and sort of an idea of what type of environment she grew up in. She's from Alabama. She lived in Birmingham the majority of her life. So she told me it wouldn't be a good idea. So at first I'm thinking, okay, because I have to take care of them. I have to like maintenance them, clean them. So I was like, maybe she thinks I won't do a good job. But then she kept explaining like, it's how people will see you. Right. She kept on throwing out these hints and... I finally caught on after a while and I remember asking her later like why I couldn't get dreads and she was like I was more so worried for how people would perceive you and I wanted to keep you safe. Right. And it's understandable but that should never be a conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? The fact that it has to be is so unfortunate because I can't imagine having that conversation with my son and I'm thinking about so many situations of what we've experienced with police brutality and stereotyping and stop and frisk and all these different things and it's like you have to have these unfortunate conversations and sit your kid down and tell them well this is how they perceive that Uh you know because i had no idea that they were viewed in a negative way i just thought dreads were cool but yeah same here yeah like you said it's not a choice these aren't things that we want to do Mm -hmm. these are things that we're forced to do and now we're taking back you know a lot of those freedoms and those expressions which is nice I see a lot more freeform dreads a lot more natural hairstyles I like it but the unfortunate thing is when white people adopt those things it becomes okay oh yeah so you think about the 70s disco era the afros Mm -hmm. black people have afros that's just another natural hairstyle (laughs) you can blow it out you can style it however you want and with disco you know there was white artists who wanted to appear like the black artists oh yeah and they but appeal to white people rose or whatever right their version of (laughs) i hate when i when i started seeing white people saying that they have an afro and it was just their hair being like really messy or whatever. Right. I'm like, oh hell no. A you bro is crisp, clean. Yes. Go back and look at the Jackson Five. Exactly. Go look at that beautiful, rounded, perfectly trimmed. That's what an afro <laughs> That's is. That's an afro. An afro isn't your hair being like in crazy directions, like randomly. Yeah. Like, you know, we like 
we like perfect our afros we right? do it's <laughs> polished it's a very clean look so exactly. look at the history of afros exactly <laughs> but, and the root word afro african like right <laughs> thank you thank you for throwing that in there yes and you know there was a huge debate online because people were talking about different hairstyles and different people who have certain hairstyles and then the conversation of cornrows came up uh-huh. and people were saying oh box braids and all these different styles are just styles that and they started associating it with, of course, white people. They started saying, oh, well, Vikings, Vikings had dreads. And, stuff. and, you know, before that, you had Europeans who had braids. But if you think about it, the history of these black hairstyles were adopted by those white people, even if they did. Even right. if there was Vikings with dreadlocks, chances are they got it from Africans. Right. Because we started off, you know, doing these different hairstyles. And a lot of people adopted that. Even if you look at Asian culture, there are certain hairstyles with braids that were adopted from Africans. Mm-hmm. So it's not that we didn't create these things. It's that white people adopted those things and it became more popular. Yeah. That's the only difference. Right. But, you know, I still feel like it's unfair to exclude us when we're the reason why that continuously becomes a popular hairstyle throughout the years. Uh, yeah. It always makes another appearance. Like with a lot of things, you know, we are the culture. Right. Y'all steal it and y'all act like we didn't have anything to do with it. Right. And it's <laughs> it's just all we want is credit. That's yeah. it. It's just giving a little bit of credit to us. And right. I don't think that that's much to ask for. It's not. It's very, it's very simple, easy to do. But I don't know. You know, people are like very egotistical. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And like you said, it becomes a problem when we do it. Right. So then it's an issue. But I love that you pointed out, you know, the the terminology saying Afro, the same with cornrows. It was actually adopted from, you know, you think about cornrows and slavery and they were out in the fields. Yeah. And there was rows of corn and corn is braided. And that's what the hairstyle reference is. Right. Exactly. So for someone to say cornrows aren't black is just a huge contradiction. Yes. That's a very ignorant statement. To make. <laughs> it sounds hilarious when you say it because oh, corn rose and it's like, well, who else was doing that? You know, at that time, I, it, it makes perfect sense. You know, white people weren't doing it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. And this goes on into so many other things because I think about even Native American culture mm-hmm. and people wearing moccasins. You see shoes today like oh, Uggs. Yeah. You see all these different clothing from Patagonia. And some of them do give credit. But the majority of people don't know where it came from. Kayaks and all the different tools that we use for, um, you know, camping is is so many things that were taken from Native Americans. And because of the bloodshed and the the massacre that took place in the U.S., Mm -hmm. we forget that that ever happened. Yeah, yeah. We just assume that Columbus and a bunch of geniuses, you know, somehow invented these things. But that's not true. Right, exactly. (laughs) And, you know, like with these like Aztec Native American designs and stuff like that, it's cool. Like those are some really cool designs. But, you know, if you can try to buy it from the the actual Native Americans and not like these big companies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like, they're like propping up some to, stuff. Exactly, exactly. And that's another way to give credit and respect. Yeah. Because, you know, I think that that's what you have to establish first is to build off of having some form of recognition and giving that person that relationship. And once you do that, you're fine. Exactly. It's, it's not that bad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's pretty crazy how our history the history in america has been rewritten you know right i right. think um most americans are not informed of our nation's history of white supremacy and racial terror like yeah how many years it has gone on you know mm-hmm. from like you know slavery the 
Jim Crow Mm -hmm. to like you know even now with like just these random killings of black people right it's like it's something every you know decade or whatever yeah it's ongoing for sure you know our parents grandparents great grandparents all of them dealt with so much BS right it's crazy right and you know just like you said your story about you know facing racial discrimination with applying for a job you think about your mother's experience I'm sure she's had some your grandmother's this is generational as you said exactly it's not something that just starts up because people look at it as if oh this is new though because of a new situation but like you said this is just history repeating itself yeah not a lot of people think like you know oh y'all not slaves no more Right. Everything should be good. As soon as y'all weren't slaves anymore, everything should have been good. Like, no, we had to go through other things like, you know, the Jim Crow era. Right. Which like, exactly. you know, everything just set us back so far in terms of, you know, wealth. Exactly. Period and like, yeah, different aspects of our life up until now. Still that's so true. And every single point we're being kept back. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem that we have is we're always facing some form of judgment. And then once we receive that approval, then things change. Yeah. But it should have already happened. And that's why it's so frustrating. It's taking so long. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And some of those things, you know, that we talked about, it's just crazy because I was trying to plan this out. And in my head, there was so many things that came to mind when you talk about whitewashing. Right. So, of course, you have fashion, you have hair, you have music. And I want to talk about fashion a little bit because when you look at Gucci, when you look at Louis Vuitton, when you look at Balenciaga and all of these whole name brands these huge brands yeah a lot of people forget that we're the reason why those things are popular now if you don't believe me go listen to Migos Versace Gucci Mane his name is Gucci Mane people saying it's all Gucci Mm -hmm. all of these references and all of these things are because of us yeah and we're the people who since the beginning of time if you look at go all the way back to the 80s with Run DMC and Adidas they had the song My Adidas. They talked about the style and the different colors and how they wore the jumpsuits and it was associated with breakdancing. That was huge for Adidas. Yeah. Even though Adidas was already a popular brand, it was an extension into a whole nother culture. Once Run DMC and them did that, other bands started doing it. You look at Korn in the 90s, who's a, a metal, new metal band. They adopted that. So yeah. now kids in the 90s are like, oh, that's so cool. They have the Adidas jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. And then the lead singer's like, hey, by the way, this came from Run DMC. Got to give them credit. <laughs> so it's nice to see that. But there's so many things that are taken from what we start off and innovate. And people forget that we're the originators of it. Yeah, for sure. So when you hear those things in fashion and when you hear you know, how much money these rappers are spending on new outfits and referencing them in music videos, it does us a disservice not to get that appreciation. Right. Because, I mean, honestly, for Versace to be like, hey, we appreciate what you're doing and give them credit for at least, you know, I don't know, maybe it could be in the form of their advertisements. It's rare that you see black people advertising that clothing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why not showcase that on your magazines, on your websites, on your blogs, everywhere? Right. You know? But we drive that culture. True. Yeah, just like with Nike. <laughs> like right. Black people made that popular. Converses and stuff like that. I feel like black people made a lot of shoes popular. Yeah. Like made, when the athletes did. or whatever. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is pretty crazy. I mean, you think about Jordans. Like yeah. there was no other person that would associate that closely with Nike where Nike can say, okay, let's just put your name on it. Right. Like that's never happened before. Exactly. <laughs> it's they really impressive. Billions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then you think about the extension and the history to where now that shoe is a staple. I mean, 
mean, sneaker culture in general came from black culture. Right. Exactly. And everybody wants these vintage sneakers because of what we started. Yeah. So once again, it's just small things about giving credit. But it's interesting, you know, because I see people like, for instance, this is just for the people who may not necessarily see the direction that I'm going. Kim Kardashian is a great example. Right. Of somebody who showcases fashion, who showcases her sexuality, all these different things. But her features and everything that she's presenting (laughs) (laughs) goes back to these black distinct characteristics. Right, yeah. So whether it's her having a big butt. Having a big butt was not popular in like the 90s. No, it wasn't. Like it was popular amongst black people, but it wasn't at the forefront of like mainstream culture. Mm -hmm. Because people used to say, oh, slim, small butts, model size. Skinny girls. Exactly. That's what was being shown. And then later down the line, of course, you had twerking, which existed forever. People (laughs) think that's new too. But with, you know, things on social media and how they're being presented and figures like her, then you see people starting to accept that type of, you know, characteristics and all those other things that are associated. Right. But every feature that she has, to me, has been those black distinct characters, the bigger lips and her getting them filled to make her look that way. And of course, like I said, the butt, everything about it is associated with us. And even those brands, again, that she wears. Yeah. The popular brands (laughs) and the things that we reference in music. Look at who she's married to. One of the biggest staples in fashion. Yeah, in culture. (laughs) And I'm not saying that that's her only reason for marrying him, but obviously that has to deal with their connection. Right, yeah. And I'm sure that's a part of their relationship because I think Kanye has said that he picks the majority of her outfits. Oh, Oh, that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, like when she goes out and when they do certain things together, I guess maybe that's why she had on that baggy suit with the meme. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, Kanye was trying to clean it up a bit. Yeah, yeah, I I can see that. Yeah, I I know they say that Kanye does like pick like, you know, the little girls and well, all the kids clothes or whatever. Right, right. That was pretty cool because, you know, guys usually not in charge of picking outfits for the kids. But once again, I'm not saying that this is Kim Kardashian's fault, um, but, you know, you think about the hairstyles, too. Her having box braids, her having these different hairstyles. Right. The problem is when she does it, people call her beautiful, gorgeous. I mean, she's considered one of the most attractive women Mm -hmm. of our generation, if not of all time. So it's like when you hear those things and you see that she has these features and these hairstyles. And we're not getting credit for it, even though she has said things about black culture. You know, she's made statements before. We're still somehow kept out. We're still somehow outcasted, which doesn't make sense because, you know, it leads into other people like, whoa, Vicky, who's a social media icon, I guess. I really don't know what she does. I have no idea who that is. (laughs) She just does this accent that she thinks is black, (laughs) which is not. And, you know, she claims to be from the hood very interesting Wait, is, that she, the, is that the indian girl no that's the white girl there's there's so many there's multiple oh. there's oh, her man. there's the bad baby girl the cash me outside girl yeah whose real name is like danielle brigoli which i brigoli. mean <laughs> right I can't get like, no more whiter than that <laughs> right but even her saying cash me outside like all the references that she makes all these social media figures are adopting things from black culture. Now, they aren't the best things from black culture because they associate what they've seen with either music or one or two things, but obviously we have more extensions of black culture. But these are things that they have seen and they normalize it as like, oh, we can take that and we can do this. And when they do it, it's seen differently. You know? It is. It's seen as, like, I don't know why we keep on saying that they 
seem like they they the ones who make it cool, even though we really made it cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you still are a little weary, you're like, okay, Nick, those are a few examples. I want to go a little bit further. But let's go back a little bit into the history, okay? Okay. So there was a famous song. Everybody probably knows it. Tutti Frutti. Okay, you know, Tutti yeah. Tutti Frutti on Rudy, right? So that was a famous song by Little Richard. Now, Little Richard, to me, is the king of rock and roll. There's no question. He is. It's not Elvis. It's no one else. It's not Little Elvis. Richard. <laughs> no one else was banging on pianos dancing singing shouting doing all of that like little richard at that time correct so of course with him being black and this being a time period where obviously black people are not being allowed to certain venues and clubs and places to perform or even close to having certain television appearances little richard unfortunately his song was taken and they had another version of the song to appeal to white people and it was by Pat Boone. Now, it's the same exact song, word for word. There's no differences, except for Pat Boone was not as good as a performer. <laughs> it was just a <laughs> shitty song. <laughs> and if you don't believe me, you can Google it. Google Pat Boone's, uh, Pat Boone's version of Tutti Frutti, and then look at Little Richard's, and you see the distinct difference. Right. So, And obviously, we know that this is true, because Little Richard has continued to make music. And, I mean, he was a legend throughout his music career. Yeah. But... It was something that was a turning point in music because people are like, wait, this is the original song by this Little Richard guy? He's way better. What is this Pat Boone guy doing? And yeah. Little Richard got a lot of credit, which is nice, but it's unfortunate that that has happened so many times that you forget who the originator was. Mm -hmm. So now people say rock and roll. Oh, white people music. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, that's what that is. Same but it's country not. music. Exactly. Country music. You look at the history and you talk about people like um, Robert Johnson, who started off playing guitar and talking about blues and, you know, discrimination and not being able to find a job and all these different things. And then white people adopted it and say, well, my dog died. My wife left me. And then they just change it a little bit, put a new face to it. Now country music belongs to white people. Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> just singing about the most mundane Thing. Not saying like you know their problems didn't matter, but right, right. We were singing about it wasn't real close. shit. Yeah, right. we were singing about real <laughs> shit. You know that mattered. <laughs> right. So even the Rolling Stones adopting things from Muddy Waters, mm -hmm. and you've even had people like uh, Mick Jagger come out and say, "Hey, we adopted a lot of things from blues and from black music." And there was a famous performance where James Brown was the first to perform, and he performed in front of a predominantly black audience. And he's dancing, he's singing, he's doing all these amazing things. The majority of it, the footage got cut, but it's a famous performance that he put on. He just put on an amazing show. He was doing splits, dancing, all this stuff. So right after that, the Rolling Stones performed, and they changed it out, of course, because discrimination during that time, and had white people come in to see his performance. Right. And Mick Jagger said, I was literally trying to live up to that performance, not knowing that the audience had completely changed, but he was like, I had to follow one of the greatest acts that I had ever seen. And he mm -hmm. goes out there and he does his best version of it. Now, Mick Jagger can dance. He did decent. Yeah. But still, it's unfortunate that James Brown was cut and that people don't get to see as much as what he was doing at that time that influenced people like the Rolling Stones. Yeah. So once again, the reason why I'm mentioning these things is just to show you guys how many times we have been kept out and how many times we've been discriminated against. And unfortunately, throughout history, people forget about those moments. So you know of the Rolling Stones, but you may not know as much about James Brown Yeah. because of these things. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, in American history, a lot of positive things that black people have done or have done are like just cut out. Right. Know? And I don't know, that kind of like attributes to the schools. Right. right? So I guess... 
for years for years u.s schools have taught a whitewashed version of history 100 percent. yeah and like um one in which i want to talk about the cowboys right <laughs> we love this so yeah. cowboys are the heroes indians are the villains and slavery is like you know just a minor blemish than like a massive permanent scar really you know right cowboys were black people right <laughs> they would get the cow boy like, yeah literally they, the boy reference in there lets you know who was getting the cattle yeah and then somehow in history you know for like i guess um entertainment purposes or whatever it just it was just turned around and you know these cowboys are i guess you know i guess there's they're seen as like cool outlaws or whatever sometimes mm-hmm. uh some type of anti-hero or something like that yeah and they're just seen to be like these really cool people even though that wasn't the case Exactly. Right. And I just want to mention this real quick. One of the famous black cowboys was Bill Pickett. He was Texas born and he was one of the people that invented um, what they called build dodging or steer wrestling. So that's what you see a lot in terms of people who do rodeos and they do all these different acts was actually adopted from people like him. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So there's so many people and I could go on throughout the list, but they innovated the style of catching, you know, horses and Mm -hmm. cattle and the way that you tame them and these different things because that was their job there was a lot of people who came out of slavery and they were looking for jobs and they were like well these people are pretty good at getting cattle (laughs) and they have all these different ways why not use that as entertainment right yeah so they would go into these competitions a lot of the time unfortunately they couldn't qualify because they were black so they would separate teams and discrimination ruined the sport of course yeah but you see people doing rodeos and all these different things today but you think about that you know that steer wrestling and all these different things that were adopted from black people mm-hmm. and used and now i mean the sport is completely white oh yeah it is yeah man it's crazy like how black people make everything so cool right and then they just kind of kicked out of it like i guess back in the day i don't know it's like in in history the people who did incredible things are rarely white that is true. <laughs> <laughs> Even though, you know, that's that's what we always read and stuff like that. You know, it kind of glosses over important black figures who came before Martin Luther King, such as Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, Booker T. Washington, W.E.B. Uh, du Bois. You know, it's like we kind of like hear about them, mm-hmm. but not in like great detail like Martin Luther King. Right. Right. That is true. Yeah. Because and you know what? I think it's because of Martin Luther King's approach. People say he had a peaceful approach. He talked to oh, the president. Yeah. He was close with JFK. Like those associations make him seem more safe. And I say that with air quotes. Right. Like, exactly. They they're more accepting of that because of the fear of black men in America and mm-hmm. strong black leaders and black women as well. It's like there's an issue with that. Yeah. So I learn about these people and I hear, oh, yeah, he was like a writer. And then this other guy invented some stuff but they don't go into great detail like you said yeah because they know the power of people knowing those stories yeah we gotta like always do like our own due diligence or like you know our own research and stuff like that to find out about these people you know it always glosses over those black people and Mm -hmm. but you know it holds up founding fathers like george washington and um thomas jefferson not saying they're not important people in history but you know they're, they're seen as like icons of achievement while failing to mention that both owned slaves, so they weren't like right. these perfect saints or anything like Not that. At all. You know, they never mentioned Benjamin, uh, Benjamin Franklin's bigotry towards Native Americans. It, you know, mm-hmm. it goes unmentioned. And even uh, later, U.S. presidents like Woodrow Wilson, one of the most openly oh racist, racist. bands yeah. <laughs> to ever hold Clown office. And yeah, you know, they're often presented as I don't know uh, paragons of white virtue. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and in present day with Trump, people forget his 
even if even if you don't believe that he was aligning himself with the Klan, right? Right. Even if you don't believe that he was aligning himself with Nazis, for him to not come out and boldly say, I, I am not anywhere closely associated right. with them. I condemn their behavior. What they did is despicable, is disgusting, and is terroristic. Exactly. That would be the statement that you want to make if you really felt like you know, racism and discrimination was that disgusting. Yeah. But when you see it as not that serious and when you sort of go along with it, that's where it's an issue. So whether or not he was truly supporting it, the fact that he didn't make the statement is the issue. Yeah. It's like, you know, you weren't against them. Right. So yeah. You were with them. You know, if you're not against somebody, you're with them. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you think of, and that's what Martin Luther King used to say. And that obviously is something that they don't want to mention in history. But he said, you standing and saying nothing is just as bad as someone doing something. So any act is just as bad. Exactly. It's like you need to be able to stand up and say something. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to jump in the middle of every situation. Right. But don't show approval by staying silent. Exactly. So, you know, it's unfortunate, and, and this might be a little tough for some people to hear, but we've talked about this before. If you saw someone getting sexually assaulted mm-hmm. or someone attempting to sexually assault someone, you would think in your head, okay, maybe you don't want to just jump in and attack the guy, right? Maybe you don't want to just get involved because you don't know the full story or the details. But once you get an idea of what's happening, right. in your brain, you're going to have that fight or flight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Something's going to kick up in you. Yeah. Most people would call the police. Yeah. That's the safest thing that you can do. You're like, okay, I don't want to get involved. He could have a weapon. I don't know what's happening. But At you're going to do that. something. Yeah. But to stand by and do nothing would make you guilty. Why? Because you allowed it to happen. Yeah. And that's the issue. So I think most people can agree on that. If you were facing something like that, an extreme situation, you do the least that you could do. You know what I mean? Which is calling the police. Call the police, yeah. Notifying someone. Yelling, hey, look at what this guy is doing. Get away from her. Yelling from a distance. Doing something. Creating a distraction. Whatever you can do. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting when we talk about these black people who are being, you know, brutalized by the police, being tortured, being beat up. And people standing by. And yes, sometimes people do speak out. But why are we trying to figure out what we should do? Why is it like, oh, I don't really know what I would do in that situation when just like the other situation of sexual assault, you would immediately call, you know, for help. Like you would do something. So it's just interesting to think about because I know with the police being involved, it would be harder. But recording on your phone, always great. Yeah. Yelling, saying stop. Getting a group of people, you know, to to group together. You know, sometimes you got to get your hands dirty. Right. <laughs> right. Like you can't call the police on the police. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Which I understand how people can be thrown off. But yeah. it's like when you see that happening to stand by and not do anything or to try to debate whether or not this cop was doing the right thing. Right. To me, that's a major issue. Uh-huh. There shouldn't be a debate over that. Yeah. But it's unfortunate because there is. I mean, there's so many people who don't want to accept that we live in a society that racism is present and these things do happen. They rather erase it or try to by like, oh, you know what? Maybe this was just one case. Mm -hmm. And then we see another case and they go, well, those are just bad guys. (laughs) Right. Okay. well, a bad apple spoils the bunch. So the the bad cops, they outdoing them. Good cops. Right. (laughs) Exactly. That's what the conclusion should be. But yeah, I just wanted to use that comparison for the purpose of saying when you see something terrible happening. You know, your initial instinct should be to interrupt the situation. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. sometimes, like you said, you got to get your hands dirty. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know. It's 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 pretty wild because you know, I guess 
with the news and things like that. I guess whitewashing in the news, uh, you know, how black people were always kind of just seen as the villains. Criminal. Yeah. Exactly. We're always, I don't know, just seen in handcuffs or just being, I guess, Unruly is what they yeah, say. Yeah, unruly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, always, they have all those key terms, yeah, right? They Criminal, always, thug, thugs, yeah. gangster, They unruly. always show these aspects of us. <laughs> right. So, you know, that kind of just makes ignorant white people think, oh, man, all of them are like that, <laughs> right? right? And they kind of like try to, they just either avoid us or I guess treat us in, treat us like we're bad guys. Right. Basically. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's pretty wild. You know, just like with the protests. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of black people out there doing the right thing, but some random person throws like a trash can or set something on fire. That's right. the that's the main that's the focus, base of it. right? Yeah. I remember seeing like this one thing on the, I think it was CNN. The uh, camera was just on. They they said like somebody started a fire. Okay, and it was just pointed towards a trash can that was on fire. <laughs> Look at this fire! They're like they're riding out here. <laughs> Pointing at a trash can on fire. All right, y'all ain't got nothing, but y'all got that. Right. It's so ridiculous how the news is, man. Man, yeah, it's it's all the media bias. And the way that they present things is to give you the same thing that they were giving you way back during slavery, that black people are criminals, painting these figures of us, these distortions of us, you know, with blackface and yeah. all these negative characteristics of, oh, they, you know, rape and assault people. Women, you have to be careful. And men, you know, they used to market the Klan as heroes you think oh, about yeah, the movie yeah. birth of a nation yeah, they were nation. heroes they were coming in to stop the bad guys who were black so you may see that as an extreme but you see it in present day right with them using these terms and even in the 90s you know there was a huge thing and we talk about this with a lot of black people being arrested and the way that the prison system is set up and you had that you know the different crime bills during that time mm-hmm. getting a lot of black people these lengthy sentences for these minor crimes like marijuana possession for small things here and there and it's so crazy because you think about the term super predator that was a huge term that was thrown around now you probably heard this again because trump threw it in the face of (laughs) during the debates he threw it in joe biden's face saying you used to call black people super predators right which of course there's a lot of people who are guilty for that you know even bill clinton has come out and said i didn't know you know what we were doing with the crime bills was going to have this significant effect now whether or not he knew that is a whole different subject but that term super predator was being used in the media constantly. Mm-hmm. If you look back, they have footage. Um, there's a great documentary um, that talks about the 13th Amendment and it goes into history of slavery and it talks about the prison system and all these different aspects of what was utilized to marginalize black people, basically. But it's just interesting because that key term was just changed a little bit from super predator to thug to gangster. Now, whenever you think criminal, you associate it with black men generally or yep. black people in general. Right, exactly. Um, I want to talk about schools. Right. So when adult Americans think back, when black adult Americans think back, you know, to their education, Mm -hmm. they're likely to remember having mostly white teachers. Oh, my God. When was your first black teacher? Dang. Well, I don't have that many black teachers. Yeah, I like had like a few, like maybe six. And that's over the course of my life. Yeah, and that's not many at all. Yeah, right? in yeah. college, when I think about college and my no master's black degree. Yeah, yeah, at all. You know, I had I only had ever, I only ever had one male black teacher, and that's like when I was in the twelfth grade. My uh, math teacher, oh my Mr. Gosh. Dukes, was probably yeah. the best math teacher I ever had. Man, <laughs> right? 
crazy. Yeah, so it, I don't know. It's like, um, yeah, most of our teachers have been white, and even today, the school system is dominated by white educators. You know, a hundred percent. White yeah. teachers, um, they may be likely to be like skewed towards a white oriented uh, curricula. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, deprives all students of essential cultural knowledge, you know. Right. Yeah. It also means that aside from their parents, non-white students. um, No, well, aside from their parents, white students always have like a lot of adult role models who look like them. Yeah, we don't have that. Yeah, we don't see that too it's much at all. It's never presented to us. Exactly. Yeah. And the education will be guided by teachers who ultim- uh, who unintentionally are not bring damaging racial biases into the classroom which reflect which reflects greatly within american textbooks mm-hmm. you know i know that um black students having at least one black teacher is a really big deal for them i know it was for me you know whenever yeah. I, you know when i had like you know that one black male teacher to like you know look up to or whatever mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know. it's funny because i just right when you said that i thought of coach dukes one of my favorite coaches. He was a great guy. He was a football coach, but he was also our economics teacher in high school. Oh, okay. And I, I remember his name and I remember him specifically because he had this great storytelling ability. Yeah. And he would always use economics and base it off of stories. So that's the way that we learned it. And I remember stories to this day because of his teaching methods. Nice. <laughs> but it's interesting that you say that because he just came to mind when you were talking about different teachers. But there's others that I don't really remember as well. And mm-hmm. probably because, like you said, I couldn't necessarily identify with the curriculum that they were teaching right because it was so skewed yeah and there's so many different things that i heard about history and i'll go wait that doesn't sound right like (laughs) they paint malcolm x as if he was a terrorist and i'm like what he was trying to protect the community i knew a whole different malcolm x yeah they were teaching exactly so yeah it's it's great that you said that yeah it's like i don't know i think even within i guess job spaces our Mm -hmm. bosses are always white Right. You know, we trying to like, I don't know. It's just always good to have a mentor that's the, the same as you. That's true. That's right? true. You know, when I was, um, when I got my job, where was it? At an auxiliary services when I was at uh, in college or whatever. Mm-hmm. My boss, he was white, the creative director. I'm like, no, no, he was black. I meant the creative, okay. the creative director. He was black. Yeah. Right. So I had like, you know, this black creative dude who like he was doing photography graphic design stuff i had somebody to like look up to and like show me the ropes and stuff like that and it was just nice because like you know we had that same we got the same jokes and stuff like that you know yeah you know he was like a younger dude too and that was just like really good see you know i still talk to him till this day that's great see people don't understand it goes beyond just black and white it's the culture and it's the the identity it's all those associated things and this is why it's so important because I could not know a black person, right? Mm-hmm. And I can guess what's in their spice cabinet and probably be right. Like, I right. Mean, he probably has lemon pepper. He's probably got, and I could just throw random things out there and I'm probably right about it. Yeah. The same thing when it comes to music. Like, if he was like, oh, my mom listened to R&B, I'll be like, oh, Mary J. Blige. I can throw people out there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dang, my mom did use to listen to that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like definitely. Those references and those small things are so important because black people, we could look at each other a certain way and you know what I mean. Like, I can do a face like, <laughs> yeah, and you already know, like, and, yeah. and that meant like, bro, like, you can say it, yeah. like. And that's such a huge influence. And, you know, I kind of talked about this a bit, but with social media, you hear all these different terms like woke, 
You hear AF. You hear people saying period. You hear people saying bruh. Mm-hmm. All those things are from black culture. Yeah. Now they were adopted, you know, because so many different people use social media, which nothing's wrong with that. But it's just so funny to hear people argue constantly that things aren't black when you're using the terms. Yeah. It's like in your confidence. <laughs> I saw this video on TikTok and this girl is talking about her right wing views, right? <laughs> so she's talking about the Republican Party. <laughs> And she's like, anybody, I can't remember exactly what she says, so I'm paraphrasing, but she said something along the lines of like, anyone who thinks that there's still racism in America is lost and they don't appreciate how far we have come, period. I die laughing. Wow. Because I'm like, (laughs) number one, you use period. Number two, everybody who's going to respond to you, and hopefully they did it out of love, it's the internet. So you you open fire. You know what I mean? Like you yeah, just target. opened up a cage. Yeah. So it's like you targeted yourself. But her making that statement, I'm like, what do you think you're going to receive? Right. It's like making those type of statements are so silly because we're having these conversations about racial tension and all these different issues going on. And it's just funny that she threw period on there because I'm like, that's something from black culture that people use. And chances are we aren't going to get credit for it. You know, you know, what's, what's, what's funny about that is like having her having those right wing views that I can just guess what kind of girl she is. I know she doesn't have any black friends in real life. Right. So she got that period thing from the from internet. From the internet. Yes. From black That's people. <laughs> exactly my point. That is perfect. It's like you threw that term in there, but you don't even know that those same people who use that term are the people who are offended by what you're saying. Right. But for some reason in your mind, you think it's okay because it's like, oh, well, I can make this statement and say whatever. And little do you know, there's a hint of us in there. Yeah. <laughs> so it always goes back to the same thing. It really does. I don't know. It's, it's crazy just how people have like, I don't know, they don't have any... I don't know. Is it like sympathy or yeah? Just no. That's what common it is. sense. You're right. There's no sympathy because we've been so demonized. It's like when things happen to us, it shouldn't be a shock or a surprise or any sympathy. Oh yeah, it's just like oh, just another black person getting shot or arrested or right. something like that. That's that's what they do. Exactly. But that's not the case at all. And it's not the case. And that's the problem that I have with the way that things are viewed in America and the media because showcasing this constantly. In terms of showing police brutality, it's important for people to be aware. Yeah. But to constantly call us criminals and to say, look, see, they're in that situation. This is constantly happening to them. They're trying to normalize that violence happens to black people. And that's just what happens. Mm -hmm. And if you carry that attitude, you don't have as much sympathy. So when you see something happening to a white person, you're appalled, you're shocked. And you know what? It's crazy because I think about it myself. There's been times in my life I'll say I'm guilty of this by feeling, I guess, more compassion for a white person when something happens than a black person. Oh, yeah. So it could be something as small as a fight. And I'm like, dang, man, that's crazy. They didn't have to do that to him. And I'm like, wait. But (laughs) I've seen so many black people fight. But it's like when you're black, people say, oh, just defend yourself. Right. And we've constantly been in defense mode because that's how we have to live. And it's unfortunate. We shouldn't. You know, this isn't something that's normal. But black people are constantly being attacked. So we go to defense mode first. Mm -hmm. Now, this doesn't mean that we're naturally violent and crazy and all these other things. It's you have to protect yourself. So when you see a black man and this cop is grabbing him, throwing him to the ground and punching him. What are your reflexes going to do? Oh, you're going to fight back. (laughs) Right. It's like it's silly to think that he should just take a beating. He goes into defense mode. And, you know, it's unfortunate that there's so many cops who have died 
at the hands of white people because they didn't have their guard up Mm -hmm. because they don't see them as criminal there's video footage and it's pretty graphic so i do not encourage anyone looking it up yeah but there's a famous video of the white guy with the shotgun who gets out of his car oh yeah and this is after like a maybe like a good five minute argument of just going back and forth with this officer Mm -hmm. and then the white guy gets out of the car and this white police officer is like yelling to him like no stop stop no no not even reaching for his gun and he's getting his gun. He's doing all of this, chasing the guy around the car and guns him down. Yeah, I remember that. But people don't look at that as a criminal situation. They say, oh, maybe he was on drugs. Maybe he, you know, was suicidal and all these other things. an excuse for them. Right. And they <laughs> jump to an excuse. But when it was Trayvon Martin's situation, a man who was not a police officer, George Zimmerman, going mm-hmm. out of his house and attacking a black kid, people are like, well, what did the kid do? Right. Now this t- you see all the tables turn. It's really interesting. You know, even even crazier than that, the Tamir Rice situation. This oh little kid God. playing yeah. with a toy gun. Toy. On, like at a park or whatever. As soon as the cop gets out of his car, he shoots him. Fires. It was no question of, is it a toy? Oh, maybe I could tell the kid, put it down. Didn't even check. No conversation, no nothing. Mm -hmm. And the craziest thing is, this is a kid. When they see a police officer, they're going to be scared. They're going to be like, I did something bad because obviously you're talking to me. They know the figure is supposed to be an authoritative figure. Yeah. So you could have communicated, you could have said something, but you didn't because you didn't feel the need to. Exactly. And that's the problem. The same thing with like school shootings. You hear so much negotiating with these white kids who are going into schools and shooting them up and Mm -hmm. people say, oh, well, we tried to talk him down. Man, these white kids, they always survive unless they kill themselves. Yeah, that's true. The majority of them do survive. survive. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy that they're serving the much-needed prison time. Mm -hmm. But you have these black people who didn't even make it to a judge. Right. It's like there is no court system for us. And that's insane. Like, it's really unfortunate. It really is. Very unfortunate. Man, um, you know what's crazy? Um, Religion. Christianity. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So these religious art, religious art and films have been white, white, watching the Bible for centuries. Right. Yes. Although Jesus, Moses and other biblical heroes all were born, you know, Africa, the Middle East or whatever. Right. They're usually depicted in paintings, movies and other media as being white, often with blue eyes. Mm hmm. That's That's pretty wild, right? Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, I've told this story before, but there's Jesus on the cross, the lovely image of the white guy who's Uh ripped with this beautiful hair. (laughs) (laughs) Flowing down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Majestic. And I'm not mocking it by any chance. But what I'm trying to say is um, basically there was a story of, you know, this famous painter. I can't remember his name to save my life. But, yeah, there was this famous painter and he had the task of painting a portrait of Jesus, right? right? So the king is like, do it, you know, just do this thing for me. And this guy, of course, is nervous because you're doing it for the king. You know, you can't mess this up. So the smart move, which was genius, the painter decided to make the portrait based off of the king's son. Because he was like, if I make the portrait of Jesus as the king's son, he won't kill me. That, so that does very genius. Yes. So of course the king sees it and he's like, "Oh, beautiful, majestic, great." I love my son. I love my son. Yeah, right. My son Jesus. So now there's this famous image of Jesus as a white man, mm-hmm. even though in the Bible they describe his hair like wool. Like wool if you yeah. know what sheep's wool is, it's very knotted. It's very thick. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the texture that a white person would have in terms of hair. Yeah. And then you hear about, you know, him and uh, Jesus and Mary going through these different places, blending in when they were traveling through Egypt with the disciples, all these different things. And if you can blend in in Egypt, 
You you ain't white. You aren't white. <laughs> All these Egyptian movies where we making these white people right Egyptian. Nah, <laughs> it's not can't that. Fly, you know, this is crazy. <laughs> exactly. And Moses, of course, with the famous story of Moses, Moses was black. Uh-huh. There's no changing it. There's no, you know, he was a black man. So it's unfortunate that we see this, but. Even if you look in, you know, places like Latin America mm-hmm. and you look at the Catholic faith and, you know, they have a staple of Mary, the Madonna, and she's black in a lot of places. Yeah. But when we look at Mary in images next she, to Jesus or wherever, she's white. Yeah. So obviously there's historical references that we can use to support the fact that these are black and Middle Eastern people. Mm-hmm. And, of course, even when you think about the Middle East and the variations of cultures that are there, it all goes back to Africa. Once right. Again. Yeah, yeah. So I just think it's very clear, but it's unfortunate that we do this constantly. And people using terms in the Bible and different phrases to try to make it seem like, you know, to excuse racism, to, you know, make excuses for discrimination mm-hmm. and all of these different things that were taken out of context. So, you know, you have the story of Nat Turner, for example who was a preacher. Nat was a preacher. He learned how to read from a young age. And it's crazy because his whole entire movement was based off of the fact that he knew that white people were using the Bible and using religion and using all these different tools to try to keep black people inferior. Uh So his job was, you know, he would go around at different plantations and things like that and he was you know of course his master was the person who was taking him to these different locations and basically trying to encourage the slaves to work better right right but he took the initiative of giving them different messages through the bible and the real meaning of the context to show them hey guys together we could actually form a bond through the faith Mm -hmm. and be able to overcome these white people yeah. So, you know, you know, the famous story. And if you don't know, you should really look into it. There's a new newer version of the film, um, The Birth of a Nation, which was directed by a black director. Really great movie. But it talks about his story. And it's just really interesting that people look at Nat Turner. Even when I heard the story, people were like, wow, this man went on a rampage and killed all these white people, these innocent people. They weren't innocent. They all had blood on their hands. These were slave owners. These were slave traders. These were families of people who had plantations. If you can brutalize a family and keep them as slaves, why would it be a conflict for them to say, we're not going to take this abuse anymore and kill the people who are oppressing them? Yeah. Innocent people die. This is what it is. It's like that happens. Yeah. But how many kids and generations had to grow up as slaves because they were in that system Mm -hmm. and they were innocent. So it's just really unfair that people look at it that way and try to paint him as a villain because I remember that in history. But that was a story that I heard and I was like, I love this story. (laughs) Someone who said, I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm not going to take any abuse. There was no white savior character. (laughs) This is just a story about a man who decided to make a difference. Beautiful. Gotta love it. Yeah. But we often do see that the, the white savior. Yeah, 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 definitely. You know, I think I kind of think that's kind of what they try to do with like you know the the Bible and Christianity. Yeah, they just try to make white people seen, uh, you know, be seen as like I don't know, I guess like these really good moral heroes and Mm -hmm. or whatever. But I don't know, maybe trying to like reinforce feelings of inferiority. Yeah, with like um, non-white people or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, I think um, this kind of like with all that, they kind of like made 
even black people started thinking like God and Jesus is right is white. Right. Yeah, right? that's true. You know, that's even so like true. when I was like younger, when I thought about God and Jesus, whatever, I'm, I pictured like Picture a white white, white man. Yeah. <laughs> I never yeah. like really seen like a black version of him until that's like I so got true. like older. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy because and I think that that is something that's so unfortunate. You even see it in Hindu culture. I can't speak too much about, you know, the religion and the faith and different things that support it. But my friends have told me about certain situations where basically things that are presented in Hinduism are even skewed towards whitewashing because of, you know, you had the British invasion in places like India and all over Asia, but it's so interesting to see them demonize, you know, people's faith and try to change it and say, well, maybe this is something that you should accept. You see it with missionaries all the time. Uh It's that same white savior mentality where they take a belief like Hinduism and try to paint it into something else. Right. And it's unfortunate that that happens so often, but I think you really have to think for yourself and really do the studying and look at that information because it's all there. Like those verses that we talked about in the Bible, they're there. Yeah. But it's so many people who try to who try to change the narrative basically. Yeah, they like pick and choose what to read. Exactly. Or Don't read the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you gotta read for yourself. The same with histories, you know, when you see these stories oh. and the way that they're presented in school, make sure that you do your research. Like really look into it. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of craziness in those books. Yeah, like now I think I've seen like where they were trying to make slavery seem like they were just like workers, just working. Oh, my God. Like they were getting insane. Like, I don't know, paid or something like that. (laughs) And it's crazy because, you know, it's almost like the indentured servants people Mm -hmm. always talk about. There was white people who were slaves. They were not slaves. I don't care what you say. An indentured servant is not a slave. That's why they have a different name. (laughs) Right. Yeah. They didn't didn't get treated like white people. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So. It's crazy because, you know, something else I was thinking about. What's that? This conversation comes up a lot. But have you ever noticed that when white people do something, it's like they get more praise for it? And people forget if a black person did that same thing, it would just be considered average. (laughs) I want to talk about this. So I think that can stem from the phrase, you at white. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I guess... um, when black people display their intelligence or some type of skill that, you know, are is like associated with like white people, they are not imitating whiteness because intelligence or, you know, that skill is not an inherently white trait. Right. Yeah. Black excellence is like real and has nothing to do with white proximity. A hundred percent. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm glad you reminded me about that. No, no, no. That's great. I mean, you think about it with skateboarding and like I said, rock and roll. You think about it with everything that we do, that we innovate, that we influence are things that come from us as mm-hmm. individuals. It's not that it belongs to white people. Exactly. And it's not us trying to adapt to white culture. Yep. It's just things that we genuinely enjoy and appreciate and those are the things that we do. It's yeah. just simple as that. Exactly. I like that. <laughs> but with those things, it's interesting because I notice that there's a lot of black people who feel like they identify with white people right. because of, like we said, us not receiving credit and getting all the notoriety for the amazing things that we do mm-hmm. and that black excellence to the point where someone could honestly think to themselves, maybe I'm not black. Yeah. You know, and they say, I don't act black. Yeah. But. It's crazy because it's like you are who you are. You're yeah. a black person. You can't escape that. It's crazy. Um, you know, I think this all this has to do with like upbringing and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. you know, you kind of got to get yourself out of that brainwash state. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because like a white person telling you, oh, you don't act like uh, other black people. What the hell does that mean? Right. It's <laughs> offensive. This yeah. is not a compliment. Exactly. That's, that's, that's racism. <laughs> yeah. They're pointing you out saying you're different. Somehow you're more special than those other ones. Yeah, you remind me. You're kind of like me, but not right. really. You're yeah. just not like them. But you can hang out with us, though. For exactly. Now. It's the acceptance. <laughs> yeah. It's the acceptance. And for any black people who feel that way, just know, just like white people have different characteristics, black people have different characteristics. You may yeah. not have met that person, but there are plenty of black people who do different things. Mm-hmm. And it's so strange that we get called weird or we get called um, you know, oddballs and all these different terms because of things that we enjoy. Like people telling me, you don't sound black. Right. Now, what the craziest mean? part about that is like, you can listen to Rihanna, you can listen to Obama, you can listen to Michelle Obama, you can listen to T.I., you can listen to all these different <laughs> black people. They all have different voices. Yeah. None of them sound the same. So exactly. it's just interesting to hear people say, you don't talk black when what they're referring to in terms of this stereotypical accent is just a Southern accent. Yeah. I've said this a billion times to people, but the slang that you hear when someone's talking, that cadence comes from the South. You think about slavery, you think about the history. It's just the Southern accent. Mm-hmm. Now, there's variations of it in New York and different places, but to call that ghetto is to call a Southern accent ghetto. Right. That's all you're doing. So me growing up, you know, my mom is from Alabama. My dad's from Texas. There's from the South. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I grew up in Georgia, but they just had happened to have, you know, this particular voice and I came out with this, you know, <laughs> but all oh, y'all just talk the same. <laughs> right. We just <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> funny, but it's not, it has nothing to do with, you know, race. Yeah. It doesn't have it just has to, to do with, culture yeah. and like you said how we grew up exactly. so you know when my dad was growing up i guess his parents and where they lived in different places probably spoke similar to me i don't know it's just, yeah it's, it's yeah. interesting because it's like i'm from the south as well but you know i don't really i don't think i have like a, a crazy draw. Yeah, yeah southern accent but i know i think when i say certain things it does come out right and then you know as well as like you know my little sister she doesn't like talk like she's like i guess from, like, got a heavy southern accent but when mm-hmm. she says certain things it comes out and i like like to pick on her about and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, everybody, we, we all have these different voices, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of hard for, I guess, white people to get that. Because, you know, yeah. they always see us like on TV and movies talking this certain way right. when that's not the case yeah. for all of us. Which we should all be aware of because you, you can watch movies, you can watch television. And a lot of it does come from either rap music or yeah. certain places. But even in rap music, you have people who rap like J. Cole versus someone who raps like Gucci Mane. Yeah. Different in accents. Exactly. But for some reason, they pick up on the characteristics that they don't necessarily identify with. Mm-hmm. So it's far from them. So they say, oh, that's weird. That's strange. Yeah. But it's really not that strange at all not at all (laughs) you know it's the same with like white people for instance having different voices you have the valley girl everybody knows a popular valley girl you know voice voice. you have the southern bell that's the term (laughs) got the the surfer exactly you got the surfer you know the the stoner voice that Mm -hmm. everybody likes but it's so funny because i would tell people these things like we have just as much variation but they didn't see it that way because they assume that we're supposed to be the same. Yeah. And black people aren't the same. It's yeah. just, you know. It's, it's just crazy how kind of like we 
how I grew up looking at white people, I never thought all of them were the same. But, you know, they grew up looking at black people like, oh, they're all they're the same. They're all the same. Yeah. Right? It's crazy just how we <laughs> grow up differently. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. But you'll see that change over time. And like I said, you just have to find people who have the same interests, hobbies, or, you know, look for people who are different from you. Like, there's nothing wrong with being different, you know. Mm-hmm. And I encourage black people to think about that. Like, when you feel like the odd one out or you feel strange, just know that those things that you enjoy are what you enjoy as an individual. And there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. That happens to everyone. I mean, white people do it to white people. The mm-hmm. redhead outcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the nerdy kid is the outcast. Like that happens all the time. People point out differences because that's human nature. Yep. Yep. This is what we do. And like, I don't know. Black people remember um, your black hair is professional. No matter what yes. style it is, as long as it's clean, you know. Yeah, it's professional. Yeah, as long as it's clean, it's professional. <laughs> I like that. That is so true. Yeah, and who knows what other hairstyle will be adopted next? It's going to be interesting thinking about the future. I hope I'm not here to find out. <laughs> right? Hopefully, we're long and gone. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening to Black Boundaries podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm Terrell, and we'll catch you guys later. Peace. Peace.